You can learn a lot by watching children, listening to their, their conversations. And uh, I remember when our, our kids were young, our, our daughters in particular, how if uh, one of them would, would say something, make a promise to the other, you know, the other would say, do you pinky promise? And, uh, you know, they, they do this thing with, with their little fingers. They kind of hook them together and, you know, they'd say, yeah, I pinky promise. I mean, I'm not sure what this was supposed to accomplish, but, uh, you know, thinking about it this week, it, it kind of raised some questions in my mind. You know, first of all, what, what does this action of, of hooking your fingers together actually accomplish? You know, what, what about these sacred words, I, I pinky promise? You know, does that really carry any weight? <clears throat> I mean, can't somebody do this and, and go back on the promise um, and lie anyway? You know, and, and we've all ha- we've all heard variations of this. There's there's plenty of them if you think about it. You know, I I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on my mother's grave. And uh, second, you know, what what happens if you break a pinky promise? To do you lose your finger? Um, what what happens if a what happens if a promise is not a pinky promise? Am I off the hook? Do I uh, you know am I am I relieved from the moral responsibility of making good on that promise? And this this all sounds really silly, but um, this is the kind of thinking that Jesus is talking about in in today's passage as we uh, continue our study in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus talks about integrity of speech. He talks about being a person of your word, being a person who does not seek to uh, deceive. He talks about uh, going towards integrity versus going towards duplicity. Let's, uh, let's read this passage in Matthew 5.33. He says, again, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall per- perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, even by heaven, or for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair black or white. White or black, excuse me. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything else or anything more than this comes from evil. So integrity of speech, being a person of your being up front, being honest with each other is what Jesus is talking about. And, you know, James says something very similar. Remember, I've mentioned before that uh, the, the epistle of James really is closely related to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, some commentators will say that the book of James is a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what James 5.21 says. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no you may not fall under condemnation. Let's take a, let's start out by looking at oaths. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, remember, there's kind of a, a flow of ideas. You know, the one, one idea tends to flow in, into another. And what did we talk about last week? We talked about uh, marriage. 
uh, and and today Jesus talks about oath and promises and keeping our word. You know, when we marry, what do we do? We we take an oath. We make a covenant with with a, another person. And this is sacred. You know, we do, we do this in, in the presence of other people. We do it in, in front of God. And I believe that it's important to, to verbalize our, our promises to each other in these wedding vows. And, and we need to make good on these promises to our husbands and wives. But we can get in trouble with, with hasty promises. You know, one of the best examples that, that popped into my mind was uh, from from the book of Judges, chapter 11, 29 through 39, the spirit of the Lord, it says, was upon Jephthah. And he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed on to the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. And he said, if you will give me the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I shall offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. And he struck them from Aror to the neighborhood of Mineth, 20 cities, and as far as Ebel Kermem, with a great blow. So the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. And Jephthah Jephthah came home to Mizpah. And behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. And you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord and cannot take back my vow. And she said to him, My father, you have opened your mouth to the Lord. Do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth. Now that the Lord has avenged you on your enemies, on the Ammonites. And she said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Leave me alone for two months that I may go up and down the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. And so he said, Go. And then he sent her away for two months and she departed she and her companions, and wept for her virginity on the mountains. And at the end of two months, she returned to her father, who did to her according to the vow he had made. This is so wrong on on so many levels. Uh, You know, this is the thing about the Bible. It reports things the way they happened. It's not not cleaned up. It's not whitewashed. This guy... (laughs) He made a careless oath. Uh, I don't think he thought this out. You know, for one thing, it was customary for for the women to come out and greet the men when they came back from from victory in in battle. Uh, you know, did did he think that a goat or a lamb would be the the one to come out and, and greet him? Um, you know, some scholars have attempted to let. Jephthah off the hook by suggesting that, you know, he gave his daughter into the Lord's service at, at the temple or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, the Hebrew text really specifies what happened. You know, his vow was he would offer her as a burnt offering. It said he did what he had vowed. Uh, this is tragic. And, 
you know, I think, why, why, why is this in the Bible? You know, it's, it's to say, you know, we need to be careful with what we promise. You know, why, why was he bargaining with the Lord in the first place? Uh, you know, it's not, it's not good to say to God, you know, if, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Uh, you know, we've all heard of battlefield vows. You know, God, if you, if you keep me alive, get me through this battle, I'll, I'll give up drinking. I'll, I'll give up my promiscuity. I'll, I'll become a priest. Or uh, I heard a story about a uh, businessman who was late for an important meeting and he couldn't find a parking place. And so he frantically circled the block and he got so desperate he decided to pray. And looking up toward heaven, he said, "Uh, Lord, take pity on me. If you find me a parking place, I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. And not only that, I'll give up drinking. And you know what happened? Miraculously, a parking place opened up and he said, Never mind, I found one. (laughs) Um, Well, in the Old Testament, God guaranteed the fulfillment of his promises with with an oath, a a covenant. And in the same way, in the Old Testament, a person was permitted to swear by the name of God to to substantiate an important uh, affirmation or, or promise. And an oath or a vow helped a person to uh, remain faithful to commitments. And the law demanded that a person be true to any oath sworn, such as a, a vow to the Lord that was part of the Old, system of, uh, Old Testament sacrifices. And uh, although not required, oath, oaths properly handled received approval from God. Here's the problem. Here's what happened. The rabbis... They developed a highly structured hierarchy of oaths. And, and this, this led to the problem that, that Jesus is addressing. Uh, some of the interpreters of, of Jesus' day tended to make um, the Old Testament's permission mean that only oaths given in the name of God were, were binding. So they would, they would swear by other things. They would, you know, if, if a person wasn't really serious about an oath, he'd say, I swear by heaven. Or I swear by earth, or or I swear by Jerusalem, or something like that. And since the person hadn't literally invoked the name of God, the oath was not considered binding. Do you see the depravity in this? This is what Jesus is getting at in this passage. You know, we tend to try to find loopholes. We try to, uh, to work the system. We try to actually justify something wrong, in this case lying, by evoking the, the law. You know, this whole thing so far with the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is saying, you guys think you're following the law, but you know what, in your hearts, you're, you're violating the, the law. In Matthew 23, Jesus gets back to this, this topic. He's addressing this with the, uh, the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law. Matthew 23, 16 through 22 says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? 
And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, he's bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? For whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Maybe, maybe this begs the question, and, and this, this has actually caused controversy uh, through, through the ages, through the uh, history of the church. You know, some people wonder about uh, what, what about oaths that you take in a, the, the civil realm? You know, you, you are called to uh, be a witness at a, at a court, and you're asked to take an oath, right? What is that? I promise to tell the truth. You know, isn't it, isn't it awful that we even have to take an oath to tell the truth? You know, what, what if you lie about, about that? When I, was, when I was appointed as an officer in the United States Air Force, uh, I had to take an oath of office. You know, I, I do swal- solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter. So help me God. So some are able, I mean, there are those who will say affirm or swear. I don't really see the difference. You know, in any case, it's a, it's a solemn promise. The, uh, the Anabaptists in the uh, Reformation, they were the, uh, the radical reformers who didn't think the uh, reformers had gone far enough. Uh, they condemned taking oaths for any reason. Uh, even now, there, there are some sects that uh, will not allow its members to take an oath in court. I don't think this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about not making promises, not making vows. The the word translated as oath in the original language means to affirm the veracities of one's statement by invoking a transcendent entity. Frequently with the implied invitation of punishment if one is untruthful. This is what Jesus is talking about. We hear this thing all the time, you know, may God strike me dead if I'm, if I'm lying. Uh, you know, I, sometimes you hear people preface something with, uh, by God or by heaven. You know, Jesus is saying, don't evoke God's name like that. You know, you are, this is probably a good example of using God's name in vain. And, uh, you know, as I was preparing this, the thought came to mind that the Apostle Paul uh, took some vows in uh, chapter 18 of, of the book of Acts. It talks about him shaving his head because of a vow. Also, again, in chapter 21, there were some guys who were with Paul. And I noticed uh, in English, the translations use different words, oath and vow, and they kind of sound like the same thing. I looked up the, these words in the uh, the Greek New Testament, and... Uh, 
Yeah, there's a difference. The, the word translated vow means something different from oath. And, in, and an oath invokes some transcendent entity. A vow, on the other hand, is just a solemn promise with the understanding that uh, one is subject to penalty for failure to discharge the obligation. Um, anyway, where am, I, where am I going with this? The problem is we just need to ask a pretty simple question. What's in our heart? This is the same question we've been asking all along through the study on the Sermon on the Mount. What is in our heart? What are our motives? You know, notice how Jesus points out the things that people swear on. You know, he says, don't, don't take an oath by heaven because it's the throne of God, nor by earth because it's his footstool, not by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Do not take an oath upon your head because you can't make one hair on your head black or gray or white, I guess he says. You know, we, we, don't have, we don't have the right to invoke these things. You know, they don't belong to us. We don't have authority over these things. You know, the earth is not ours. You know, what do we do? Offer up the earth as, as a pledge? Uh, Jerusalem. But apparently people were swearing by God, heaven, earth, the temple, things they didn't have any claim to. You know, we really, if you think about it, we don't even have a claim to our own bodies. They, they belong to the Lord. And the tragedy of uh, Jephthah's daughter was that it was his daughter who paid the price. You know, and, and he committed a sin in carrying out that vow. Um, Jesus' main point, though, is truthfulness. Truthfulness, integrity of, of speech, integrity of the mouth. And uh, when it comes to being untruthful, Jesus says, don't do it. Even if you think you've found a way around it, even if you think you are able to lie in, a, in such a way that it doesn't break the law, you're sinning when you do that. Be truthful. Be straightforward. Be direct. You know, let, let there be no question that, that you're a person of integrity when it, when it comes to making promises. You know, the truth, truth is so important. It's, it's of utmost importance to God. You know, what did Jesus say about himself? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When he spoke of the Holy Spirit, he, he referred to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. He said, the spirit of truth will guide us into all truth. When Jesus was before Pilate, he said, for this purpose I was born, for this person I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? That's one of the most profound questions in, in the Bible. You know, Jesus is once again pointing to the fact that God cares about our hearts. He cares about our motives. You know, he, he knows that we tend to want to bend the rules and work the system, so to speak. You know, what? so what if I swear in the Bible? Does that carry more weight than me just making a promise without the Bible? You know, am I, on, am I off the hook if I don't invoke some object? You know, since according to the scripture, my heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, maybe I think I'll, I'll get away with this. 
When, when we were kids, uh, I remember this revelation that one of my friends uh, gave me. If you, did you know this? If you cross your fingers, it's okay to tell a lie. I thought, this is great. How come nobody ever told me about this? I tried it. I tried it at school with my teacher, and I tried it at home with my parents, and I found out this does not work. Okay. But, you know, apparently nothing's changed since, since Jesus' time. You know, here's, here's another one. Cross my heart, hope to die, a thousand needles in my eye. You know, I don't think of any, any of us really meant that. Um, or we would have gone back on that promise uh, at the drop of the hat. Hmm? <laughs> but, you know, some, somehow we thought this would give us some sort of credence. But you know what? God wants us to put away those childish things, those childish thoughts. You know, in the, in the first verses of John's gospel account, John speaks of Jesus' coming to the earth. He said, the, world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory only as of the Son of God, full of grace and truth. Here's why truth is important, because it's, it's the very nature of God. God is a God of truth. Our relationship with him, our relationship with each other, relationships with each other, you know, really they depend on our truthfulness, our, our integrity. Um, I love what Psalm 15, 2 and 3 say, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor take up, takes up a reproach against his friend. So let's ask again, what's in our heart? What's in our heart? Do we have truthful hearts? And all these things, Jesus wraps it up at the very end. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is evil. You know, in the, in the time when Jesus was, was walking the earth, the, uh, the culture was you know, pretty much an oral culture. If you made a, a verbal promise, that was, that was binding. You know, we're, we're in more, I guess, more of a written culture now. You know, when I, when I make a deal with someone, I prefer to have the promise in writing. Uh, several years ago, I, I contacted several salesmen at several car lots. I was looking for a, an inexpensive car that was very reliable and the price was very cheap. That's what I wanted, so... I went around, I told the salesman, you know, call me if something that, that fits that description comes up, you know, and a couple months later, nobody had called me, but somebody did at one point. This guy called me up, he said, I, I've got a, uh, a Toyota Cressida. It's an older car, but it has low miles, it's in good shape, and I went there, and it was, this just fit the bill perfectly. He said $3,000. And I said, okay, I'll buy it, $3,000. He goes, oh, no, I can't sell that to you for $3,000. I said, well, you said 
you said $3,000. Well, how are we going to make a profit if I sell that to you for $3,000? You don't have that in writing, do you? Well, I don't, I don't tend to want to make a deal with that kind of person. Anyway, this is the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. It's the same as if this guy had said, I pinky swear, or I didn't pinky swear. And Jesus says, be a person of your word. You know, don't, don't try to find what you think are legal or legitimate ways around telling the truth. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's exactly what they were doing. They were trying to bend the laws to their advantage. They were duplicitous in heart, though. They were seeking ways to legitimize their sin. Isn't that something we all do? You know, another thing about let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, sometimes we tend to equivocate when we're, we're asked a question. You know, we might use ambiguous language. We might kind of just talk around the issue and never really answer the question. Uh, this, this is a form of deceit. You're trying to conceal the truth. And we've all heard people do this, right? You know, you, answer, you ask a simple yes or no question and you never get a yes or a no. And five minutes later, you're, you're confused. What, did he, what is he even saying here? I, I, don't, think, I don't think the question was, was answered. You know, some people are masters at this, uh, be, being evasive in, in their speech, you know, and, and maybe we all tend to do this. Maybe we all fall into this. Maybe some of us don't even realize when we're doing it. The point is, Jesus is saying we need to be open and truthful and transparent in our our speech. You know, we must never be deceitful with, with other people. People should not have to guess at what we mean when we say something. You know, people people shouldn't have to wonder if maybe we don't have some hidden agenda. And Jesus' solution is so simple here. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You don't have to go beyond that. You don't have to swear on the temple or, or whatever. Pinky swear. You know, we need, we need to be people of integrity. We, our, our word is our bond. And, uh, you know, sure, we'll have to put things in writing sometimes. When we bought our house, I had to go through, I don't know, seemed like a couple hundred pages with my signature and initials in about 400 different places. Um, that's fine. I don't, I don't think any mortgage lender is going to give you a loan without you doing that. And, you know, if you go to court, you're going to have to give sworn testimony. There, there may be occasions where you're asked to promise or, or affirm or swear your allegiance to, to take a, a position. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, don't try to be clever and get around the issue of integrity and truthfulness. He says it's evil if you do that. Anything other than yes or no really is, is evil. Don't try to find a loophole. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So God cares about what's inside. He cares about our hearts. Uh, Proverbs ten nineteen says this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. 
but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little worth. So, yet again, another example of what Jesus is saying about the law. We may think we're okay. We may think we're following the law. We may think we've found ways to uh, meet the letter of the law, but Jesus says no. I know your heart. You're, you're a lawbreaker. And uh, yet, in our depravity, we, we try to find loopholes. We try to find ways around doing what's right and what pleases God. And uh, the scripture says our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. We need the Lord. That's, that's what we need. That's who we need. Jesus wants us to be people of truth, people of integrity. And uh, we all struggle in one way or another with this. Uh, we have deceitful hearts. None of us is perfect. You know, in fact, there was only one person who ever lived a perfect life. And he died for us. And he invites us to, uh, to trust in him for salvation. He invites us to trust in him to be able to live the Christian life in a, in a manner that, that pleases him. We need to rely on him. We need to rely on the spirit, that he, the spirit of truth in our lives. Uh, so let's yield to him. Let's surrender our, our thought life. Let's surrender our speech, our mouths to him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, you are, you are holy. There, there's, there's none like you. You, you alone are holy, and we, we praise you because you alone are worthy of our praise, Lord. Uh, take our hearts, Lord. Purify them, Lord. Make our hearts holy. Give us clean hands and, and clean mouths, Lord. Take our, take our lives and, and conform them to the, uh, the image of Christ, Lord. Lord, take us and mold us and use us. And forgive us for our, our deceitful ways, Lord. In, in Jesus' name, Lord, uh, lead us into your truthfulness. Let your righteousness shine through us, Lord, and in, in, in us. In Jesus' name, amen.